We are so thankful that you joined us for another episode of Revitalized Kindness. This is your podcast where we talk about loving others just as God intended. And we know that together we can revitalize kindness. Maya Angelou says it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive. Forgive everybody. It is often difficult to forgive even the smallest offenses. So how do we forgive when the offense is greater than we can bear? In part one of this part two episode, we talk to Mark Sowersby, the author of Forgiving the Nightmare. Mark is a husband, pastor, and survivor. We begin our time with Mark with hearing his testimony and explanation of how we can move mountains and an illustration that involves Bob Ross and changing our perspective. God is love. A lot of our listeners probably haven't heard it. I've heard it a few times because I'm just so interested in you and wanted to get different takes on your story and I've enjoyed listening to it each time but yeah just I'll get you to share your story if that's okay yeah I'd be honored to again it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share my testimony you know as Revelations 21 tells us about the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies and again it's not my story it's the story of what God's done through me but I call my book my testimony forgiving the nightmare so it starts with a nightmare and I would say that all of us have a trauma, a nightmare situation that, that's tried to steal from us our value and our dignity. And when I was seven years old, my mom would marry a man uh, that was 20 years her younger, and he would come into our home and he was an abuser. He abused with his words, his actions, everything about him was an abuser. And I was the target of that abuse. He began to groom me and then he began to molest me. And he raped me, beat me, stabbed me, burned me. All the ugliness that goes with abuse of, of uh, molestation. And that's what took place in my life. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the day that he came in and he stole my innocence. I remember the crackle of the threshold. I, I remember the smell of the breath. But I remember the lies. I remember the lies he told me. Mark, they called me Marky then. I was a child. And they said, Marky, if you ever tell, no one will ever believe you. Marky, they'll take you away. They, you know, it's your fault. And and this was the, the grooming and the lies and the manipulation that abusers use. For seven years of my life, abuse would just become constant. And it, again, it was ugly. It was, it was sin. It was lust. It was lies. It was pain. It was evil. And so every day that I endure some form of rape or molestation or beaten, and this just took place in my life from the ages of seven to 14 until I found somebody who would believe me. I found an adult. Uh, I found a family member again, who would just come beside me. He first believed me. That's very important. He believed me and he mm -hmm. stood up for me with his strength, with his wisdom and his power. So I know I just unpacked a, a big, a lot of big stuff to you. And that when you think of it, yeah, whatever your mind can reach to that ugliness probably happened. I could show you the stab wounds. I could show you the, Burns a couple of teeth in my mouth are are partials because of the abuse. So I don't make it light, but I rather talk about the the journey of forgiveness and how God brought me on that genuine, honest, real, um, um, not a hyper faith, but a solid faith belief mm. in God and how He brought me to forgiving the nightmare. Mm. 
Well, Mark, we're so glad to have you on this episode and just opening up with your part of your testimony. That's that's a um, we got a lot of questions, I know, and, and, and the way you describe it, not even giving many details, just imagining the, the nightmare that 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 must have been. And it's just glory to God uh, to see you where you are today and blessing others just by not only telling their story, but God is using you in so many different ways. And so, and we usually do an intro, but I'll just say, look, guys, you know what show this is. You clicked on it. This is Revitalized Kindness. I'm Dave Weaver, and we got a vet walker with us from another podcast. We've already talked about that. But anyway, so Mark, yes. um, so you're telling us about your your story. And and I didn't I didn't catch this. Now you how old were you when when these types of things started sure. happening? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on the other side of fifty now, so I'm going to really show my age. Uh, I was seven years old. It was 1977, and the abuse in my life took place from 1977 to 1984 when I was 14 years old. When I got 14 years old, something clicked. I, I said no longer, no more. I said no. I, I took my, I, I, you know, if you're going to take a pound of flesh from me, I'm going to fight back. I pushed off my abuser that year and I ran. And that's where I found the, the family member who, who believed in me and stood up for me. You know, I don't mean to make my abuse story light. I, I don't mean to make it insignificant. I don't mean to make it small. Obviously this, these events affected me my, my whole life. And even today I, I could say by the grace of God, I've forgiven, but sure, I have my triggers. I have those places in my life where it tries to raise its ugly head. So, yeah, I, I don't try to make it small. These events that happen to those like me that have been abused in a sexual, physical, emotional, mental way, verbally, these these things attach ourselves to us forever. And, and, and only by the grace of God can they become smaller they can become little and God become bigger and greater. So uh, again, I, I, you know, I, I could give you the ugly story. I could give you the rated R version. I, I could give you and let you know what it's like to, to be woken up in the middle of the night and just ravished because of somebody's drunken stupor. Uh, but, you know, I'd rather say today, those things that happened in my past, as much as they are shaped me of who I am today, they don't identify me any longer. So yeah, I don't mean to make it small or light or, or insignificant, but again, the abuse, um, you know, it, it's ugly. And I would say that we all have something. Again, I said earlier today, we all have a nightmare. Mine came through abuse, but some come through uh, uh, addiction and death and all kinds of events. Probably was I can't even fathom the events that people go through that they have to endure uh, these these painful situations that really try to come in and shape how they think about themselves, how they think about others, how they think about God and community and neighbors. And I think those were the things that, that lasted a lot longer uh, than even the abuse. Again, at 14, the abuse ended. Uh, praise God, my body healed. But the emotional scars, the mental scars, the, 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 the hurts and the lies, Boy, those those still sometimes can echo in one spirit. So mm. uh, again, not trying to make it light lighter than what it was. It was ugly. It stole from me my childhood. 
you often hear me say, I was not raised, I survived my childhood. And, and all the overflow of that, being a, a special ed student and having dyslexia, not getting the help in my early years. So it's really affected me today, not knowing how to be a, a healthy relationship for a long time because I didn't know what it was. I became mm. a chameleon, right? Whatever I had to do to survive. You want me to be the fat guy? You want me to be the funny guy? You want me to be the jock? You want Whatever I had to do to survive, I just wanted to fit in. So, mm. uh, you know, those things echo in your spirit for a long, long time. But the cause of that was being abused by my mom's husband from the ages of 7 to 14. Right. Was there anybody in the family, yourself or any other family members that that were part of any type of faith or did you, were you exposed to the Bible or any of those types of things at an early age? Sure. So it's kind of what happened. We kind of grew up in a home where like God's good. Right. But we weren't mm -hmm. like Christians, like Jesus died, but we, we didn't study it. I didn't know it. Right. And because of the abuse that came in my, my house and again, it affects everybody. I have an older brother and an older sister, um, from my mother's first marriage, they are quite a bit older than me. So they were able to escape. They were able to get out. Uh, you know, they were 10 and seven years older than me. So so they were able to to get out. Well, uh, my brother, uh, he went to a fire and brimstone Baptist church, man. He got mm -hmm. he left and he got saved with a capital save. You know, it was all it was hell is or a turn or burn kind of. And he came home and it was for a couple of weeks for a visit. And he told everybody about this fire and brimstone, turn burn God. And of course, they mm. all told him, get out, except for me. I was like, really? Why well, don't him? So yeah, <laughs> that lasted that lasted as long as his visit did uh, for about a week or 10 days. Then that routine of, of pain and neglect and abuse, mm. again, continued. But I always remembered in the back of my head about this God, and uh, but didn't really have a faith on how to place it. But I mm -hmm. did hear like, you know, you don't want to go to hell. Probably wasn't the best message for a 14-year-old, but, right. but it made me think. <laughs> you know, I was reading an article that said uh, forgiveness is not granted because a person deserves to be forgiven. No one deserves to be forgiven. Forgiveness is a deliberate act of love and mercy and grace. And at any point during your journey, even as you've come to faith, did forgiveness ever just feel forced for you? Um, like, you know, cause sometimes we think we read stuff like that in scripture and we feel we, we take it, maybe this should be a natural flow of forgiveness that comes. Um, but if you're in a difficult situation or, or go through a nightmare like yours, how do you balance that feeling forced to do this versus, sure. uh, yeah, I, I think for me, you know, a couple of things. And of course I met the people with the best intentions. You know, they pull you aside and say, you just forgive and forget, you know, your precious little guy or, you know, they, they, I think their intentions is right, but they didn't know the intensity of my abuse. They didn't know. I didn't tell them and they didn't know. So I answer the question this way. When I started on this journey and when I mean way back, when I, I became a Christian at 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, I said the sinner's prayer really didn't understand what I was doing, but God did, uh, and, and on this journey I was on, I sought God. You know, I didn't seek forgiveness. Forgiveness is the outflow. It's it's the sum of. I sought God 
first. And there was ups and downs, lefts and rights, denials and acceptance, doubts and beliefs, faith. And, and there's all kinds of emotions in that journey. I wasn't like I just walked into a church one day, you know, put two bucks on a plate and said a prayer and went to the altar. This is a real journey where I wanted to throw in the towel and God, if you're real, why did this happen? And, and of course, I asked all those hard questions. I did not wake up one day and say, Lord, I want to forgive the person who stole my dignity, my value and raped my body. I did not wake up that way. I wanted anything anybody else would win. I wanted revenge. I wanted, I, I wanted justice. I want, of course, all those things. In my journey of following God, the years, decades of following God, the outcome of that, with lots of ups and downs, the outcome of that would become to forgive those who trespass against me. I had to learn to forgive my mom, who uh, neglected me in a lot of ways. I had to learn to forgive of the abuser who stole so much. But what helped me do that was the Lord in finding out what forgiveness really is. You know, I think there's a lot of cliches and, and a lot of nice statements people try to say, but when you're really wrestling with what forgiveness is and how to pour it out, I had to learn that. So then by the grace of God, I was able to offer that to others. Mm. Mm. I tell you, um, that's amazing that's amazing testimony it, well, it sure is you know it's built on jesus christ i have yeah. i have this is jesus christ alone you know I, I i say it like this sometimes and i'll say you know when i first got saved i knew nothing i came from this broken messed up didn't know my earthly father my biological father i didn't know him uh, you know this man came into our life who just raped me and abused me and and i find christ at, at you know, 15, 16 years old, I walk into a youth group, it's the 80s, we all have mullets, you know, we all have yeah. jean jackets with the patches <laughs> on it, right? And I mean, it's, you know, so, uh, you know, and I start trying to follow God and people are telling me, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know what that means. Like, what, what is that? <laughs> faith in a mountain, a tree? Like, what? <laughs> so I started on this journey, trying to read the Bible, a dyslexic guy, not really knowing how to read and getting frustrated. I can't pronounce any names in the Bible, you know, and, and finally I get to this passage passage. It talks about moving mountains by faith. Mm. And I really got my prayer closet. And I started to pray and I said, Lord, what does that mean? I said, God, I can't even get out of my own way. My insecurities are big. My, my failures. I'm so, I feel like dirt, like trash, like, like something on somebody's bottom of their shoe. That's what I'm thinking about myself because that's what the abuser made me think about myself. So the Lord really spoke to my heart, and it was kind of a conversation like this. He said, Mark, can you move a pebble? I said, God, I can move a pebble. You know, I, yeah, I can move. And then, you know, he'd say, then let's move the pebble. And then you can move the stone. And then you can move the rock. And then you can move the boulder. And then you can move the hill. And then you can move the mound. And again, this was the life journey of learning my faith how to move things step by step, slowly by inch by inch, slowly learning to trust the God who spoke to me. And literally decades later, God would say to me, let's go move that mountain. And I would say, God, I, I knew what that mountain was. I knew it was forgiveness. I said, I don't know if I'm ready, God. I, I, I don't know if I can do it, God. I, I, you know, I don't know. The Lord said, how'd you move the pebble? 
I said, will you help me? How'd you move the stone, the boulder, the mound, the, the hill? I said, Lord, you helped me through it all. He said, I'm going to help you move this mountain. And I'm going to help you forgive the others that hurt you. So mm. again, that's why I say this journey. I didn't wake up and say, hey, I want to forgive everybody who hurt me, that stole my innocence. I woke up saying, God, I want you. God, I need you. And, and one of the first casualties of any trauma, the first casualty of any, and there's a lot of them, not mm -hmm. the only, but one of the first is we don't trust anybody or anything. Trust goes right out the window. You know, we don't want to get hurt again. The walls go up. Trust goes down. Yeah. And that's such an important thing. You know, I remember years ago at a, like a business rally or something that, you know, with the business that I'm in, we, we talked about that as leaders. We talked about how central to everything that we do is trust. And if we don't have trust with our team members and others, integral parts of the team, then there's going to be breakdowns. Um, and so, I mean, it goes, that goes with relationships, uh, obviously, I mean, other outside of business, personal relationships, um, you know, we, we got to trust in the father. So that goes to a spiritual realm too. We've got to not only try to trust others around, you know, and I know so many people that um, haven't been through even close to what you've been through, but still they have a hard time uh, to trust just because, you know, I think, and I think I read an article the other day that talked about how social media, especially, and just the fact that there's so many different angles of a story, sure. lots of like, quote unquote, lies that are out there. It's, it's made it easier for us to distrust each other sure. just because of that. Um, so how do you speak to that? Or what would you say, even like as a pastor, if I were to come to you one day and I'm like, you know, uh, Pastor, I'm I'm just having a tough time trusting others right now. I can't get by these boundaries. It's making it difficult in my life, my personal life. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I not only want to trust in uh, others, but ultimately, Pastor, I want to trust in the Lord. How, how do you talk to me about sure. something like you know, that? I, I'm switching hats here. I'm going okay. from the Pastor testimony <laughs> Pastor hat, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm switching hats. You know, I, I always say it's about perspective. It's about perspective. When I was growing up, there was a, a painter on PBS, right? We'd all come home from high school, and this guy <laughs> named Bob Ross. I'm, yes. Hey, we've got Bob Ross uh, uh, paintbrushes here. When her grandmother passed away, she her, her my wife's grandmother lives in Colorado. She was a great painter, but she had the Bob Ross stuff. And oh, we, man, that's good stuff. And we got and we it, and we're... We're trying yeah, it's, it. But it it's good stuff. Yeah, we like them. And I remember coming <laughs> home from high school and half asleep, eating a bowl of cereal and turning yeah. on PBS. And there'd be this guy with an afro going, happy little trees. Yeah. <laughs> you guys remember, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, so, but he would finish this painting, right? And it'd be awesome. It'd be like, wow, he did that half hour, right? Just blank canvas to this little cabin with a stream. And then yeah. in the middle of a, the middle of the painting, he would draw this big tree right down the middle. And he changed the perspective. He changed the perspective. And I've always remembered that. And I thought sometimes when we're going through those situations about trusting others and trusting God, sometimes we just got to change the perspective. Mm. You know, sometimes we're looking at it through, through the hurt, which why wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. Sometimes right. we're looking through it from the fear. Sometimes we're looking through it our own self-righteous or but sometimes when you kind of 
try to get the bigger view. Say they're a child of God. They're a bonehead, and I don't want to deal with them, but they're a child of God. <laughs> and God loves them just like he loves me. And I can be a bonehead too. And slowly as we change the perspective, like Bob Ross did in that picture, right? He'd draw that, and then that big tree would just go, get that cabin went further away. And I think sometimes it's not easy and it doesn't make it perfect and there's challenges. But if you desire, sometimes looking at it from a different perspective helps a soft, soft tone. It helps get a clearer mind. It doesn't always make it perfect or easy. There's still, there's still a journey, but sometimes changing that perspective is, is uh, helps us go through that. So, you know, standing, looking through a scripture, looking through the grace, looking through the spirit, looking through, you know, applying that first. It's not easy and it's not always done as quickly as I, I do want to do it. I'm often slow at doing it, but uh, that's a that's the way I try to tell people. I love that. I mean, you're right. Changing perspective makes a big difference. And I think just reading through scripture and 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 talking, you know, having time with the Lord each day that can change your perspective um, in, in life. Because I think sometimes it's like, I remember there's a book that I read uh, part of it by Dr. David Jeremiah in the beginning, he's talking about, and he, this will give you the age of the book, the, the, the example that he gave, but he compared <clears throat> connecting to God. Uh, he compared it between uh, broadband online or like, no, not broadband. Yeah. Broadband where you had to dial in. Oh, All right. Yeah. I remember. I think that was, is that broadband or is that dial, just dial up? I, I forget. Yeah. That, you know, that dial up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, dial I think up. That sound, right. Right. You had yeah. that kind of connection. Then you've got like what we have today where you're online all the time, but he was making a comparison between those two. And he says a lot of Christians treat God or relationship with God, like the dial up of modem or whatever get dial up when you need God, when you want to get on with God. Mm -hmm. But he says, if you, if you're more like the, you're online all the time and you're including God in your life, talking to him throughout the day, praying regularly and and spending time in scripture, a long time, quiet time, you're just going to have a different, maybe a different perspective. So, man, I love that. You know, I I remember a story one day up here in new England, we get snowstorms. Right. And the weather gets below freezing. That's 32 degrees. And, and one day I'm looking out my window and it, it, we just had snow night before. It's, it's probably about 22 degrees out. And every time you breathe, the white air comes out. You, you know it. Mm. And I look out and there's this girl running down the street. She's in all the running gear. She's got the, the hood on and, the, and, she's, and she's running. And I thought to myself, this was not her first day. She didn't wake up and say, today at 22 <laughs> degrees, I want to run. But right. this was a part yeah. of her life. This was a habit. This is something that she probably, you looked out the door going, I don't want to run, but I have to because it's a part of her life. wasn't part of mine. I was drinking a cup of coffee going, whoo, it's cold out. But, <laughs> but I think sometimes you're right um, that running for that woman obviously had to be be part of her life, something she needed to do every day, no matter if it was cold or nice or the roads were good or the roads were bad. It was something she was always about her. And I hear that too. Like, like there was a guy and, and he's very controversial and he's got all kinds of uh, good things written about him and, and hard things written about him. But it was an evangelist in the early 1900s who did a lot of uh, miraculous sign and wonder ministries. And of course that's always debated on what that is and what that isn't. But his name was Smith Wigglesworth. And a woman mm-hmm. said to Smith Wigglesworth one day, 
She said, how can you do these things uh, if you don't pray all the time? And he said, he said, ma'am, I never pray more than five minutes, but I never go more than five minutes without praying. So, <laughs> you know, and again, he's a controversial guy. I'm not, I'm not defending that, but I like that answer that he said. I do. I like that too. Make sure to check out part two of this great conversation on the next Revitalized Kindness. I really like kindness because it helps people.